Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, and we want to say to all of our listeners, um, Merry Christmas. It's coming up in a few days. We're in this busy Christmas season, and so um, they, you know, they must be taking some downtime right now to listen to our podcast, so we want to wish them a Merry Christmas. Uh, Pastor Fanu, why don't you talk to them in the midst of this crazy, busy season? We talk about being missional. What are great ways around the Christmas season to be missional, to give, to do something, to uh, give back to the community. Absolutely. And again, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. We hope that uh, the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus would flood and fill your hearts and your homes uh, during this season. Uh, and, and Emily, this is probably the best time of the year, really, to be able to share Christ's love with people. I feel like our culture sort of is so much more open uh, to Christ and his message mm-hmm. uh, during this time of the year. So a couple of great ways are, I, fi- I find that neighbors are very open during the season to receive gifts, uh, to be invited over to maybe your home for tea or coffee or, you know, just to, uh, just to spend some time because a lot of people are off work, mm-hmm. especially the week following Christmas. A lot of people try to take that week off. And so it's a good opportunity to do that. And also people are also more generous. So if you were trying to raise money for a cause, for a charity, if you wanted to give to the homeless or people in need in, uh, in the community, generally speaking, people are more open uh, to giving towards uh, those kind of needs and projects. Uh, also, I think another great opportunity is even in the sharing of gifts to include uh, a Christmas message, maybe in a card or something like that, where people will, again, chances are they're going to take time to read through that. They're going to take time to, to look at those cards. And I think that's a, uh, that's a great opportunity. And, and obviously, again, if you're a Christian, you go to church, people, generally speaking, find it hard to refuse an invitation to go to church around Christmas, especially mm-hmm. like a Christmas Eve service yeah. uh, or, or even a Christmas day service. Some churches do Christmas day services. Uh, people are more open. And so if you have uh, church leaders and pastors who take that time to share the gospel message and, and make an invitation, uh, it could be a great opportunity for your friends, family, uh, and even neighbors if you invite them to uh, hear the message of Christ, you know, and, and, you know, always package it together with something else, right? Hey, let's, I don't know, let's go to church. It's just an hour service and we can, you know, come back to my place and we'll have hot chocolate, right? Or if it's a Christmas day service, you know, let's do breakfast and let's go to the Christmas service for an hour. So I think those are great opportunities to, uh, to connect people with the message of Christ. That's great. And you know, this, what we're talking about today, the guests that we have on our podcast, very similar thing where he literally, it was just someone uh, took the time. They made an effort. I guess, you know, we always say, what's the worst that they can say, right? Is no. So extending that invitation could change someone's life. And that's exactly what happened today for our uh, podcast guest. His name is Pastor Samuel. He is the pastor here in the GTA, a lead pastor, but his story 
start so far back and really it's you know we're talking right now about being the season of giving we're in the winter where you know we have a lot of people living on our streets and that was exactly his story and you know he went from being homeless to now uh, a pastoring a church and part of his story a big portion of the story was a stranger that reached out and you know was like I'm not giving up with this guy I'm just going to extend my grace I'm going to extend or God's grace I'm going to extend you know God's love to him and that's exactly what happened so let's bring on our guest and welcome him to the show welcome Pastor Sam Pastor Samuel thanks for being on the podcast thank you for having me I'm glad to be here uh, listen, I am super excited uh, to uh, to have you share your story uh, with our listeners. Uh, you know, I was uh, actually uh, talking to Emily about it uh, uh, the day before we recorded this podcast, uh, just how inspired uh, I was when I first heard your story, uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Samuel. And, um, you know, it's not too often that I hear uh, incredible salvation encounters uh, like the one you've had. And part of the whole messaging and uh, uh, desire of Mission Connect podcast is to let people know that God has a mission for their life and that no matter where they're from or what their background or what, what's going on, that God can use them. And so, uh, you know, today you're a pastor of a church in the greater Toronto area. I think you've been to seminary. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I okay. went to Bible college and, and seminary. Bible college and seminary. So obviously yeah. you are somebody that if someone looked at you today, said, wow, you know, silver spoon in his mouth, everything worked out for him, <laughs> you know, grew up in the church. Obviously he's part of the whole church, you know, culture and world. And yet it is, that is so far from mm-hmm. the reality yeah. of how you grew up. So Pastor Samuel, tell us about um, your childhood and growing up. What was that like? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, well, uh, my mom and dad, uh, when they got married, they weren't Christians. And uh, my dad, and he was a DJ, and uh, they were really into the party scene. So drinking, dancing, clubbing. And uh, my mom actually became a Christian and uh, shortly after they got married. And uh, when she <clears throat> became a Christian, her life changed, and uh, she no longer wanted to do the clubbing and the drinking and the partying. And uh, my dad really uh, just continued to have a downward spiral. And uh, he actually became an alcoholic and became uh, extremely abusive uh, toward my mother. And uh, when I have two older brothers and a younger sister, so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm the middle child. And um, when I was born, I think about three years old, three, four years old. Uh, my first memory of life is uh, seeing my father try to kill my mom. Wow. And uh, he was uh, he was arrested and taken out of our home. And uh, from that point on, um, my mom and dad got a divorce. And uh, we, we lived from house to house, actually. Um, people in the church, they opened up their homes to us because... My dad actually sold our whole our house, and uh, we were homeless. So uh, we were living with uh, families from the church. Um, but my mom, she was she was um, so faithful, and um, she uh, 
every evening would bring us around the table, teach us the word of God, um, teach us to pray, um, show us Christ, um, encourage us to love Jesus, and uh, really modeled um, for us what, what it looks like to be a Christian. Every time the church was open, we were there. Um, you know, we would sleep on the pews and, uh, and everything. And, um, and my mom, actually, she would open up our home uh, to the community let people come in. Um, she had prayer meetings. Um, she cooked meals for people and just really welcomed people in. And we would go to nursing homes. We would, um, um, she was involved in the schools. So she really modeled, uh, what a Christian life looks like to me. And, um, even my life today has been really shaped, um, by her heart and her ex- exemplary life. And so, um, that's what really what our home was like, but because of um, what happened to my mother, um, she could never work again because of the abuse um, that happened to her. Uh, um, so we were on welfare, and um, so we were very poor, and um, uh, we didn't have much. But um, I think during my because of what happened also because you know you're you're a sinner yourself um i had a lot of struggles i had a lot of anger a lot of frustration mm-hmm. um and around the age of 11 i started getting involved in in drugs and alcohol and uh just hanging out with the wrong people getting in trouble and uh i stopped really thinking about god and uh i think around 13 uh, my mom just said I was getting too wild for her. And if I wanted to continue living the way I was living, then I could go live with my dad. And I thought, wow, you know, I'll go live with my dad. That sounds like a great idea. The grass is green on the other side. He's very well off. He's rich. Uh, you know, um, he, when we would go and visit him, he tended to, to be a nice, a nice guy and, um, whatnot. But, um, you know, that was far from the truth. I went and lived with him and, uh, in leaving my mom, I really was turning my back on God and I was leaving God and leaving the church, um, leaving my exposure to scripture. And, uh, and I went and lived with my dad and that just turned into a time of, uh, just greater abuse and being exposed to who he really was. And, and then I went even deeper into, crime and uh drug abuse and alcohol abuse and um immorality and uh it just got worse and when i was 15 years old my mother died um she got into a car accident and uh, went into a coma and then eventually they took her off life support um and after that uh it just became for me from the age of 15 to 25 years i just describe it as deep darkness Mm -hmm. um I became heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol and uh, basically lived the, the street life for um, from the age of 17 up to 19. Mm-hmm. I was living on, on the streets and um, off and on. Sometimes I would sleep in people's homes. Sometimes I'd sleep on the street. And um, that basically was my, my life for the next five years from the age of 15 to 20. Wow. Wow. So at that point, um, you know, here you are living on the streets, you're kind of gotten yourself into this life. 
what what was the point where you began to uh, you know discover God again, or um, you know what was that journey? Yeah, well, it was kind of uh, it was kind of a quite a few events um, in particular that I I started to see that um, life was really hopeless for me. Really, really, um, the drug addiction for me was not so much about the the high as it were the sense of being addicted to the high it was really being addicted to the escape to get away from that during that time i was high i life was okay Mm. i didn't have to deal with the problems that were going on i didn't think about um my family life i didn't think about how hopeless i was and uh in that moment of being high i uh i just felt like life was okay but then um eventually through uh, broken relationships and um, uh, all my brother, well, someone tried to kill me one night and they ended up um, stabbing my brother and uh, almost losing him. And then um, the guys that I used to run on the street with, I had uh, robbed somebody that was a mutual friend and they actually put me in the hospital for that. And, uh, waking up the next morning and just seeing my face and looking at what life was like, I was thinking, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? Um, you know, I'm done. And, uh, I think that's when God really started drawing me back to him. Uh, I started to feel a sense of, uh, of, um, despair over the way I was living. Um, the people that I was around, I realized that, uh, the people that I thought were my friends were really not my friends. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> actually when my brother was on the street as well, he used to stay in an adult shelter and, uh, in the adult shelter, they used to take him to, um, a Korean Presbyterian church, uh, Sunday morning. And, when my brother and I uh, got a bachelor apartment together, we we're living on welfare and uh, I'm around 19 years old at this time. I'm still on drugs, but my brother says to me one morning, uh, let's go to church. Do you want to go to church? And he's an unbeliever. And uh, we ended up going to church and it was there where, well, we showed up late and, you know, whenever you show up at church late, you usually have to sit at the front. So they walked us to the front, sat us down, and everyone started praying out loud, and uh, the church started worshiping, and I just started breaking down and just started weeping. I didn't know why, but the first thing I did was just started to pray, and I cried out to God, and I said, God, you know, please, I I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I, I want to get a job, and and I said to him, if you get me a job, I'll give, I'll give you back my life. And um, actually, the next day, I got a phone call for a job interview. And I went to that job and I got the job on the spot. And uh, it was actually at that workplace where the Lord um, connected me with the lady whom he would use to lead me to Christ. And uh, but throughout that time, even on the street, um, I remember when I went into it to um, to the adult shelter when I was 18 the first day I walked in there, there was a lady working at the table and she looked at me when she checked me in and she gave me a Gideon's Bible and she said, God loves you. And, um, and I started reading that little Gideon's Bible. So God was really involved in all of this and pursuing me though. I had no thought of him. 
That's incredible. I mean, if there was a rock bottom, that's where you were. I mean, you know, when we describe somebody hitting rock bottom, that's really the place in your life that you were. And, uh, you know, it's incredible how even in the midst of it, God pursues us. And, you know, this, I, I was reading in Ephesians 4 this week and the idea of throwing off the old man and putting on the new, like it, it's like this dramatic shift for you in this moment. So you mentioned someone that had uh, this lady that you had uh, come in contact with. What What's the story behind that? Yeah, so when I started working at this industrial um, warehouse, um, there was a lady there named Patricia, and um, she worked in the office, and uh, she just started pursuing me for some reason, and um, she told me later on that the Lord put me on her heart the moment she saw me, and um, she just started taking an interest in me. She, the very first thing she did, she didn't ask me, you know, about my life. She She didn't really, well... I'd say she didn't really try to preach the gospel to me. She didn't really, um, you know, try to share Christ with me in the very beginning. In the very beginning, all she did was really just try to be a good friend to me. She just started taking in, an interest in me, um, asked me questions, how I'm doing, um, just showed that she cared about me and tried to build a, a friendship. But throughout that time, she would um, share her faith. And, um, and we would have conversations and eventually, uh, she kind of said to me, Hey, would you meet me at Tim Hortons? Um, I would really like to have a serious conversation with you. And I said, sure. Yeah, I'd like to do that. So we went to Tim Hortons and I met her there. And I think this is really the pivotal moment where things changed for me, where she sat down and she kind of laid everything on the table and said, look, you already know you're, you, you grew up in a Christian home. I'm not going to go through the Bible with you and the ABCs. You already know all these things. So I'm just going to tell it straight to you. You need to give your life back to Christ. Why are, why, what's keeping you from doing this? What's keeping you from Christ? And I said to her, I guess in my own false humility or self-pride or something, I said, well, you know, I, I don't want to give my life back to Christ and just keep messing up or letting him down. I want to get my life right and then give my life to Christ. And she looked at me and I think this is where things really changed for me. She said, you can't change yourself. You need to come to Christ just as you are because he's the only one that can change you. And in that, I, I, I said, I would think about that. And I went to church with her that Sunday. She invited me to church and I went to church with her. And I think it was either the Monday or the Tuesday after that, that I, um, uh, gave my life to Christ. Wow. That's incredible. Um, I mean, there's so much here, so much here, Samuel, that we could talk about. You know, one of the things I was curious about was this. You mentioned a couple of people. You mentioned the lady at the um, at the shelter that gave you the Gideon's Bible, uh, which, by the way, I think... <clears throat> What a great ministry and, um, you know, the stories I've heard of uh, people encountering God through a Gideon's Bible uh, is so many, you know, and so it's incredible how God's word is so powerful just, you know, on its own. Um, mm -hmm. So you talk about that lady and then you talk about Patricia at work. And so I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I'm asking myself, 
what are the different kinds of people you met along this journey? And I know this may be a, a question that you have to think about for a moment. So I'll just explain it as you're thinking about this. But, you know, I mean, from when your mom passed away when you were 15 and you started walking mm-hmm. down this dark path of drugs and alcohol, eventually living on the street. Now, actually, a quick question, and I'm sure some people are wondering this about this. When you say you lived on the street, are you talking about I was on the street for a day and then I was in a home for a week and then I was back on the street for a day? Or are you talking about I was literally living on the street continuously consecutive days for a couple of years? Yeah, no. I mean, there was there was um, seasons where, yeah, it would be like um, sometimes a week, um, sometimes three or four days um, sleeping in, in the winter on the street, sleeping in a bus shelter. Um, sleeping on a park bench, um, spring, summer, winter. And, uh, but, um, it wasn't, um, consecutively, uh, like a year or a month or whatever. God was very gracious. I think in that way that, um, I had, uh, friends who would time to time, let me sleep in their home or I found a, a street shelter. So, Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, and so when you were going through this journey, and so you, you just mentioned friends. So give me a sense of what are the kinds of people you, you, you met and what was some of the impact? And I'm not just saying just the good ones, right? But even the negative yeah. influences that came along, just so people understand what life is like for someone. Because you see, we, we look at someone like that a lot of times, and if we've never experienced that, we are easy, it's easy for us to pass judgment, right? Like you, if I saw you on the street, it's easy for me to say, well, here's a young man, he could do something with his life, but obviously he's probably just lazy and he doesn't want to work. Do you know what I mean? But, and yet I have no context to your story, your life, and what has sort of brought you to that place, right? And so yeah. it'd be interesting to just hear from the eyes of somebody that lived through that. Um, what, what were some of the kinds of people that, that came across your path? Yeah, I mean, like, I think um, in some sense they were, you know, I, I, I had uh, good friends. They were people who in some sense did care about me. Um, I cared about them. You know, we had a real com- camaraderie, you know, like a brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, we, we um, you know, it's like it's interesting. When I became a Christian, one of the things that I felt I, I lost or I felt that I, I didn't have anymore was the closeness I had uh, with the brothers before uh, in the world. Wow. And uh, where I could just I could just pick up the phone or I could just show up at my friend's door, knock on the door and uh, it just be like, come on in and then spend the day together and uh, hang out. And uh, we would just enjoy each other's company. You wouldn't really there was no agenda. There was no schedule. It was just um, living life together. Um, and that was something that appealed to me and something that I, I uh, missed deeply um, as a Christian, uh, when I did become a Christian, um, uh, you know, a sense of a, a little bit of a, a loneliness. Um, but at the same time, I mean, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Um, these were friends that were fair weather friends, you know what I mean? And as long as I didn't cross them and as long as our interests were the same, uh, we, we were tight, we were good friends, but, um, you know, I think our, 
Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I hung around with killers. I hung around with drug addicts. I hung around with, uh, you know, I, I think in some sense they had some level of decency. It, it, you know, we had some level of decency in all of us. Like there was things we didn't do and there's things we did do. And it was kind of strange um, where you had people that you had people you were hanging around with where we would, we had some sense of a con- conscience, you know, like it's well, like, we'll, we'll sell drugs, but we won't do this. Right. And right. It's like, it, it was kind of funny, but, um, you know, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, some of my friends were polite. Some of them weren't, um, some of them were just, just barbarian and, and some of them were respectable people, wow. but, um, it, you know, and they were coming from all different walks of life. Some of them were a little bit more well off. Some of them were uh, very poor, like myself, um, uh, all different types of nationalities. Um, wow. So it was quite it was quite a diverse um, group of people. And were they what what connected you? The fact that you were were you all homeless or was it that you were all on drugs together and doing drugs together? Um, the, yeah, I think I think we just had the same we had the same life, you know. Mm-hmm. We we were all uh, we were all interested in the same thing. We all enjoyed the street life. We all we were all uh, doing drugs. Uh, we were all, you know, for a great deal of us, we were we were out to make money mm-hmm. and uh, selling drugs and um, uh, interested in um, doing uh, those types of things. And, um, and then kind of just along the way of like, you get connected with one person who's doing that and then you get connected to their group and, um, and it just kind of just morphs. And, uh, I mean, but, um, I'm going to be honest, there was people, there was people that I connected with where, um, I love them deeply and I would have given my life for them. And, um, uh, when I became a Christian, um, there, we, we, we couldn't be friends anymore. And, um, well, and it was just, uh, yeah, that, that was just kind of the way, the way it was. Were there people that tried to reach out to you while you were, so except Patricia at that point, once you got a job, but while you were on the street, were there people that tried to reach out to you? Uh, as far as no to Christ or sharing the gospel or anything along those lines? Yeah, no, no, it was really, I, you know, God, God really just, I was just really, uh, kind of in this dark pit and, um, to be honest, I, I really think that the Lord just had me there for a reason, just in the sense where I, I didn't, he, he didn't have any, in the sense, any visible pursuit of me that I could see. And I wasn't uh, thinking about him. And it was just kind of just those, those years of darkness. And I, and I really think that God used those years of darkness um, for his purposes. Um, Samuel, if someone was to reach out to you at that point, you know, just, I mean, not in your case, but another person, similar setting, similar life, lifestyle, uh, drugs, homeless on the street, what could they have said that you think would have resonated with you? <clears throat> even well, if, even if you didn't make a commitment yeah. right there or make a decision or anything, yeah. anything like that, but, but what words could they have said that would have caused you to think about it later? Yeah, I think, I think just the things that were, that Patricia said to me, um, and that lady there, just that, you know, God does love me, Mm. um, that God does care about me. Um, and even just that truth that it's like, look, you can't change yourself. 
you know, you only Christ can change you. And um, I think just those things, those words, all those words right there are very powerful. And, and I'm, I'm guessing you're implying that even the person that looks like they're enjoying it in the drug scene or the, you know, whatever scene that deep inside, they have a sense that they need change. Yeah. You know, like I think even the person who's saying that they're enjoying, enjoying drugs and enjoying the, the a life of sin at the end of the day, um, I think deep within they're lonely and, um, and, uh, they, feel in the sense that there's there's some they need something more to life even when i talked to some of the guys we had some real conversations when uh when i was living that lifestyle and i would talk to some of them and uh you know they would share with with me and say you know like what is the meaning of life you know what are we what what, what are we trying to do here and you know the you know isn't there something more and so and that was something that was one of the big things that was in my heart that really the biggest question in my heart that I had is there's got to be something more than this. Cause if this is it, uh, we might as well all die. Um, wow. we, you know, yeah. That's incredible. So let's come back now to Patricia and her story and mm-hmm. her sharing with you, because, you know, this is really the whole, um, sort of mission of our podcast is to equip Christians yes. uh, to be able to do this. So uh, let's break it down a little bit. Um, tell us some of the key things that happened before that Tim Hortons conversation. What are some of the keys? So again, if you were to advise a Christian on how to reach out to somebody who's like you, yourself, completely disconnected from God, um, is living a lifestyle or in addictions with, with different things, but at the same time has a deep sense on the inside that there needs to be something better. There needs to be changed. What are some of the things that she did? And, and using that, what would you advise? Um, uh, you know, the average Christian, not a pastor, not a teacher, not a preacher, just the average believer in Christ, how would they build a relationship that would eventually lead to a gospel conversation? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like any other relationship, um, just as you would um, treat anyone else. Um, I think the big thing here was just consistency. Um, I, I, I think I felt that she truly cared about me and I was willing to go to Tim Hortons and talk to her was because she was very consistent in her um, pursuit of me. Um, and that communicated a lot to me. So I think the very first step is just, you know, be consistent, um, continue, don't give up, keep, keep, uh, uh, pursuing the people that God puts in your life. And, um, you know, whether they be on the street, whether they be, um, family members, um, at your school, at your workplace, wherever it is, um, you know, I think, um, people can say things, but our actions demonstrate how we really feel as well. And, uh, you know, her consistency of just pursuing me, uh, really communicated to me that this person loves me, that they care about me. It wasn't just, hi, how are you? And then I never heard from her again. Um, she just continued to pursue me so that I think that's really the big thing is just, um, that continual consistent pursuit. 
Well, you know, you're saying something there that I think a lot of us as Christians struggle with, right? Because there's this mentality in the church that says, you know, hey, um, we're just going to, you know, give someone a tract. You know, we're just going to, you know, share the gospel. And now we've done our part. Right, and they've rejected it. They said they've said no, um, or, or whatever it may be. And 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 you know what? We're just going to walk away because you know we did our part. You know, we've we've done our duty, and now it's on them, right? Uh, but what yeah. you're saying is, and you know, Paul says this, right? He talks about persuading people. You know, and persuading somebody is a lot more than just sort of offering them something once. It's more building a relationship long enough that that you're trying to convince them and and they give you a no. You're saying, okay, why are you saying no? Let me answer the question behind your no. So you see another angle of this truth that I'm sharing. So this idea that that when God calls us to people and you know, it's interesting because you said that about Patricia, that she felt that the Lord had put you on her heart. And so she wasn't just going to give up on you. She was going to stay faithful. So could you speak to that about that idea of pursuing uh, people uh, in love? I mean, obviously you don't want to, you don't want to creep them out either. You know, you don't want to say like, this (laughs) person's just like after me. Right. But at the same time, you want to be there in their life. You just want to be present. Right. And, uh, and, and sort of loving them, I suppose that they know that you truly care. Just talk about that. What does that look like? How does that work? Um, yeah. and even any examples you have from your interaction with Patricia, uh, and I know I'm digging a little deeper here, but I, I feel like a lot of people hear this stuff, but they don't really have a sense that, like they can't picture it in their minds. So on a regular yeah. work day, like, what does this look like every day at lunch? You know, do we talk to the person or, or is it, you know, we talk to them maybe twice in a week and the other times it's just, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, have a great day whatever. Like, what does that actually look like? And how do you pursue a person? Yeah, this is a good question. She, you know, I, at the end of the day, um, I think everyone has a part, part to play. You know, like Paul said, that one sows a seed, another comes along, waters it, but God gives the increase. And, um, you know, like, um, God had Patricia to be the one who would water and pursue with that watering, but the lady who gave me the Bible, she was a seed. Her word was a seed. She didn't really spend a lot of time with me, but that was one interaction. And so I think there is a place for, um, you know, we need to have those one interactions with people. We need to sow those seeds. But then I think that God uh, also in his, in his plan for bringing people to himself is to have us pursue people that he puts around our life that uh, we can do on a, in a consistent manner. And uh, that's really what was modeled uh, between Patricia and myself. So basically I would come to work and every morning, uh, if she could, I think it was almost every morning she'd come out onto the floor and make it, uh, make it her intention to come over and say, good morning to me. uh, Ask me how my weekend was, um, see how I'm doing. You know, we would um, have some small talk conversation and, um, and then, you know, if she saw me at lunch, we would maybe have a conversation again. And it was really just those hmm. um, small interactions every day that continued to build a relationship where we started to talk about things maybe more deeply, where I would say, 
yeah, you know what, I didn't have a good weekend or I'm not having a good day or I was struggling with this and I'm frustrated about that. And then we started to build, build on that. And uh, I think one of the key things too is this, I didn't feel like she was, I didn't feel like she was trying to like convert me. I wasn't a notch on her belt. She wasn't trying to just reach a goal. Mm. Um, and, that, and, and, but it was just like, it really just, it came across as genuine. Um, her goal was to know me to, mm. she cared about me and, but the mission, obviously the goal behind that goal was to lead me to Christ. And, right. um, and, but I think people can tell when you're just trying to, to, to just get them when you're just trying to throw answers at them and when you're just trying to, to, um, win them over, you know what I mean? So you can say, I led someone to Christ. Um, people can tell whether this is genuinely coming from your heart, if you love them and you're pursuing them, um, and you really care about them, even if they don't give their life to Christ, um, you still love them. You still care about them. And, um, and I think that that's what really started to build things. Um, so, and, uh, and like you said, like, it wasn't, uh, this kind of crazy pursuit where, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't feel like talking, she didn't push me. Um, so I think she was discerning in that sense as well. Um, but, um, but she didn't give up even in the times where I was maybe frustrated or maybe I was rude to her or I wasn't interested in talking. She didn't give up on me. And eventually in building that relationship, she stepped out and said, Hey, let's meet at Tim Hortons. And then, you know, would you come to my church? And you know what I mean? And so there's, there's building blocks there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so tell us what happened. So after Tim Hortons, after that conversation, um, how did things change? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Uh, basically, you know what, to tell you the truth, I honestly can't say that I was, I was living, I was living in a friend's house and, uh, I was sitting in my room one night, I think it was either the Monday or the Tuesday after church. And to be honest, all I can say is I got up, walked into the bathroom and called her. It, it, I can't say that I thought in my head, I'm going to call her and give my life to Christ. It was almost this thing where it was like, I found myself doing something and I was like, Whoa, what, what just happened here? And, um, I walked into the bathroom, picked up the phone. I called her and I said to her, I want to give my life to Christ. And we, I prayed with her and her family on the phone and, uh, you know, just genuinely, genuinely with all my heart, she led me and, and, uh, and how, how I should, you know, gave, gave me the framework on what I could say. And I just really prayed my own heart and called on Jesus to save me. And immediately, as soon as I called on Christ, um, I knew the Holy spirit indwelled me. Um, my drug addiction, uh, was immediately broken. Um, and I knew that all of my sins were against God. I knew that, um, I was forgiven. Um, and I knew that Jesus loved me and I loved him. And, um, and the very first thing I wanted to do after I, after that happened was, um, get baptized and take communion and, uh, join with the church. And, uh, so everything changed as soon as I finished that prayer, it was just like from darkness to light. Wow. Um, yeah. It's incredible. It's, you know, it's again, I go back to Ephesians four and that whole idea of, you know, putting off the old man and walking in the new man and just, you know, even that, 
the whole scriptures there, they're titled, you know, light in the darkness. And, and it first started with Patricia being light in your dark world. And from there, now you're able to be light in many other people's world. And just how, when we can get the grasp of the importance of that one person, right? You know, for Mm -hmm. Patricia, you were one person, but now the amount of people that you have had influence over or have affected have actually come from her as well, right? It's this idea of just how much our influence or those moments that we can take, um, you know, with individuals and people that are around us and how much effect that can have on multiple people. And, And now you're pastoring a church here in the GTA, right? Yes, that's right. And you know what? That Gideon Bible that that lady give, gave me, mm-hmm. I had been reading that Gideon Bible. And and you know what? I was reading it, but I didn't really understand what I was reading. But the moment I gave my life to Christ, the Bible became a living book. It was mm-hmm. like my daily bread. And, and you know, in the Bible, it says that scales, it was like scales fell off of Paul's eyes and mm-hmm. uh, the veil is removed yes. through faith in Christ. And that's really what happened. And I, I could understand, and, and the Word of God really became God's Word to me. Wow. How did people around you react? Like, how did the, the friends, how did the people you, you know, <laughs> built a relationship with for years now in that lifestyle, and all of a sudden, here you are, you know, completely free, miraculously free from this yeah. addiction. Uh, like, what was that like? Yeah, at first, at first they thought it was a joke. Hmm. Um, they, they, they thought that, you know, I would just, I would be back on drugs in a couple of days. And as weeks went by and then months, they were like, I remember one of my friends came up to me and he was just like, this is for real, man. And, and I was like, yeah, it is for real. I told you I'm, 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 I'm a new person now. Jesus saved me. Christ saved me. It's a, I have a new life. And, uh, they kind of just looked at me strange, you know, and, uh, they started holding me at arm's length and, um, Mm. And it really just, everybody just started drifting away and I started drifting away from them really too. And, uh, um, but, but they recognized that this wasn't just somebody, you know, this wasn't, um, you know, just because I'm sure they've heard stuff like this before, Mm -hmm. but, um, they saw, they saw something different. They saw that it was real and, uh, God had really changed me and, um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't the same person. I didn't talk the same way. I wasn't interested in the same things anymore. And so, yeah. Wow. And um, tell us, I mean, we're out of time actually, so we need to wrap up, but just quickly, if you could tell us, how did you go from there? A new Christian, you know, learning to love God, reading the Bible, learning the Bible to going to Bible college seminary and becoming a pastor and, and, and discovering that that was your mission. That was your purpose in life. How did you, how did you sort of come across that or did you stumble into that? How did that work? Yeah. Yeah. No, when I was a small child, um, God called me, um, to the ministry. And ever since I was a little boy, um, when my family asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a pastor. I knew in my heart that I wanted to reach people and I, I loved people and I wanted to reach the least of these. My heart has always been for uh, the people, the least of the least, the worst of the worst. And uh, when I got saved, I was originally on a path into the music industry and the Lord uh, just changed that immediately. And the call that I felt as a small boy 
came right back to me and I knew immediately what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted to preach the gospel and to reach people with Christ. And, um, and the Lord, uh, I was reach, I was working in a outreach center and a drop-in center. And uh, I was reading the Christian Herald and I saw an advertisement for Tyndale and I had been praying and I had been fasting and I was working in a warehouse and I just said, God, I don't want to work here anymore. I want to be out there and I want to be sharing Christ. I, I want to, I want to, I want to lead people to Christ. And uh, when I was looking in the Christian Herald, I saw an advertisement for Tyndale and as clear as day, God spoke to me and said, go, I'm calling you there. Go, you know, go and, I said, Lord, I didn't finish grade 10. I only have grade nine education. I have no money. You know, what, what kind of person am I that I would go here? And he said, just go. And I went there and um, I studied for eight years. And dur- during that time, the Lord really trained me and shaped my character. And the call to ministry became more and more clear uh, for me. And um and- I would say in seminaries when God really showed me that, yes, I'm called to be a pastor and that's what I, I want to do. And uh, that's kind of the journey on how that played out. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Um, and uh, Samuel, your story and your life's journey has been um, such an inspiration to me. And I know uh, it is to our listeners as well as they're listening to you now. Uh, if um, people wanted to get uh, in touch with you or maybe uh, follow you online or uh, even maybe come hear you speak if they're you know, in, the, in the greater Toronto area, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can go to um, Christ Gospel, uh, Toronto Christ Gospel Church, tcgc.org. Okay. That's our church webpage, tcgc.org, Toronto Christ Gospel Church. Okay. Uh, our church meets at uh, Kennedy and Shepherd, and we our service starts at uh, 2, 2.45. Okay. Okay, yeah. awesome. And how about social media? Do you have any social media handles? Um. I don't have any social media right now, but it's going to be coming in the new year. So I will definitely get you a link and uh, sure. we'll get and everyone we can, connected. We can put that in the show notes as well. So um, listen, Samuel, thank you again for being on the Mission Connect podcast. You have been a blessing to us. And I know uh, a lot of people that listen to this have been inspired uh, to live out their life on mission and to pursue the people that God has placed uh, around them. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I, I really, I really appreciate being here. And if I could just say one thing, it's this: that we have no idea um, how powerful the gospel is, and um, how powerful our lives are in God's hands to reach people. One word, one, one verse, uh, putting a Bible in someone's hand, um, sh- sharing your life with someone. We have no idea how God's going to use that. We just need to be faithful, like we were saying here. Awesome. So good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Emily, that was a powerful podcast and story. I mean, listen, I I just, you know, again, we're in the Christmas season. Do you just think of the number of people that you see that are maybe on the street, that are homeless, that are in shelters in our city? And it's easy to judge people, you know, to say, oh, well, maybe they're lazy. Maybe they don't really work hard or 
or just want to live on some sort of government assistance. And yet you hear stories like Samuel's where you sort of can see why he ended up where he ended up. You know, it's almost like all the odds were stacked against him right from when he was a child, you know. And yet, uh, again, coming back to that wonderful person, that co-worker who shared, you know, Jesus with him and yet not in a religious sense. And I think that's what stood out to me, you know, when we talk about, you know, being on mission is some people are on mission in a rude, aggressive, obnoxious way. You know, they're just like, you know, here's a track, shove it in someone's face and it's like, take it or leave it. And for them, it's like, I did my part. You know, and yet uh, this uh, precious lady, she said, you know what? No, I'm going to build a friendship with you. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to love on you. And I'm going to make you sense and feel and know that even if you'd rejected Christ, you would still have a friend in me. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just, uh, well, I think that's the gospel. I think that's the New Testament. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you look at, um, you know, the dramatic shift and transformation in his life. And just, you know, when you're, when you think about reaching people, you got to think nobody is too far from God. And so in our own human efforts, you know, it's going to feel difficult sometimes when you think of where people are at, but nobody is too far from God. And Pastor Sam is a perfect um, example of that, that God's hand is on each person's life. And so you know, but we are to be his hands and feet in this world. And that's what God is desiring of us. And that's what's being missional in different ways. People are going to do it in different ways. And I'm sure even this lady served did ministry at her church, whatever it might be. She, I'm sure she served in other capacities, but she uh, obviously felt a desire to reach out to Pastor Sam. And that's now her reach is extending far beyond uh, Pastor Sam and, and the people's lives that he's influencing. And so. I think that is such an important piece, uh, Emily, as we wrap up, is this idea that maybe you will not reach thousands, but maybe you will reach the one that will reach right. the thousands. Yeah. And, uh, and so you never know. And uh, as is evident from the story, no one is too far from the reach of Christ's love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Christ just needs people that will extend that love and that grace uh, to those around them. Yeah. So again, we wanted to say to our listeners from Passion to Reach Ministries, uh, a very Merry Christmas. And we pray that, that, that Christ's love, God's love would be so real in your life and home this holiday season. And friends, remember uh, to share this podcast with someone that you feel needs encouragement and needs to know that God is able to do the impossible. So subscribe to the podcast. As always, we'd love to hear from you at missionconnect at passiontreach.com or visit us online at passiontreach.com. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.